Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's Around the House. Directional traveling is super important because you have you have your tile and then you have the tile, the surface you're putting it on, right? What you want to make sure is that your ridges that you put on are going in all of the same direction because when your tile, like Vincent is made to like, it like sucks the tile in, right? Like you, once you put the tile there, it's not like flopping all over because there's like a suction and then when you're if you create that suction and the lines are going all mismatched you're never going to collapse those ridges because the air can't escape so when it comes to remodeling and renovating your home there is a lot to know but we've got you covered this is around the house welcome to around the house with eric g and caroline b where we talk home improvement Healthy homes, construction and design every single week. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Caroline. Hey, Eric. We have a fun guest in the studio today. You might have seen her all over social media as that tile chick. Shannon, welcome to Around the House. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun. You are just crushing the trades out there. And Caroline and I are both supporters of it. And I love to see what you're doing out there because, you know, it's funny when I watch videos and then I watch the comments of the people that have maybe, I've been in dial for 33 years and this is how I do it. And I just laugh sometimes because it's like, so you've been doing it wrong for 33 years. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I love disruptors. <laughs> well, I'm a giant super fan of Shannon because she teaches me that I'm a little afraid of tile, I have to admit. And Eric knows I have like a fear of tiling. I'm not exact when it comes to the artistic part of it, but you make me feel like I can do it. So that's why I got with Eric and I said, we got to have her on. She makes me feel like I can tile. I can do this. Oh, yes. You can most definitely tile. It's it's a little, it can be intimidating. It's a, you know, it's a hard material and like there are special tools and skills you need, but I truly believe anybody can do it as long as you just, you know, learn key steps. Maybe you're not going to be the best at it at first, but it takes yeah. a little time practice. <laughs> There's a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that I learned from my buddy, William White, who I've known since we were probably 13 years old. So I've learned from him is prep is like 90% of it, of doing the right stuff before you put the pretty stuff on. That's where yes. the beauty is. That's Yes, that's very true, especially when it comes to like a shower. Because a shower, when you think about it, has to function. The tile is just like the pretty cover. It's like the makeup. When everything that's going on underneath is what really matters. So, yes, the prep is like the most important key. 
You know, and as somebody that's done showers before, including my own steam shower with with really good pros, I learned a lot about it here this last time using some of the new technology. You know, we put a weedy system in and then we did, you know, William came in with all the Ardex stuff and I did slab porcelain on the walls, all that different stuff. But I really learned some of the newer stuff out there because, you know, back in the day, I remember still in the 90s when I first got into interior design, there were plenty of tile setters out there putting green board sheetrock in the in the shower and laying tile over it and then wondering why it didn't work. Oh, yeah. Um, like, so that's the thing. Like, if green board is, it's water, it's not, it's moisture resistant, not water resistant. So, you're, right. so the key word there is moisture. So that means what, like, probably just like, you know, the, the steam that comes off of your shower, you know, and it's like sitting in the room because you, your <laughs> vent fan is like clogged up with 10 years worth of dust, you know, <laughs> so moisture resistant, not water. It's not even water resistant because you get that thing wet. It's going to soak, right, soak the water right up. Yeah. It's just going to disintegrate. So I don't know. It doesn't even wick water. It's just, it's drywall. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so for amateur people, so Eric's always the person who's got all the experience with building and I'm more on the environmental side, right? So that is a big thing to me with mold because we don't want mold from an environmental standpoint. But for the people who are bare, bare bones like me, what do you recommend? Like, so where's the first place to start? Is it knowing what your backer board's going to be? Is it knowing, you know, what type of process you're going to engage in first. Like, so just take us through some basic tips. So DIY people like me aren't so scared. Okay. So the first thing you want to do once the shower is demoed and you just basically have a clean slate is you want to think about, um, you just kind of want to think about what I like to do it this way, thinking about what kind of tile I'm going to put in the shower. Like what's the size of the tile? Um, now this might sound super complicated, but it actually makes your life so much easier when if you're going to put a niche or a soapbox in the shower and you're like, okay, well, like I know I have this size tile. You can literally plan out where the niche is going to go in the wall so that you don't have like weird, crazy cuts around the niche. And that takes less time on you while you're installing the tile to plan out full tiles around the niche. And the way that you can do that is just simply by, yes, you're taking measurements of the wall. It's like a naked wall, just studs there, you know? So you just kind of figure out where you're going to put your, your niche box. And then like, I like to just like work from the bottom. So I'll like just pretend that the, the rest of the wall isn't existing. And I'll just like measure from the floor to the bottom of the niche and then like move it as I go up or down, depending on where the tile is going to lay so that I can like have full tiles around the niche and I don't have to make any crazy cuts. So that's what mm. I would do first. Then I would figure out what kind of wallboard I'm going to use, but I, I like foam board. So I am always using foam. Um, I like it because it's light. It's easy to maneuver. You can cut it with a box knife. Like to me, if there's something that's going to make my life easier and it's faster, I'm going to use that. Plus if you use like, um, cement board now you're creating dust and it's like an extra step if you're cutting it with like a, a something like a grinder for example you're cutting it outside and you're making dust and i have to wear a mask and it's heavy like it's just 
I like foam and I'll, I'll spend a little bit more money on it. So like just cut it right in the bathroom, pull my measurement, cut it and put it up on the wall. Um, so figuring out your layout before the walls go up is key. Then what key. you want to do is use foam, <laughs> especially if you are not <laughs> like if you, for DIY, especially foam is you're going to pay significantly more 100%, but it is a much easier, much more forgiving material to use. And it's almost like foolproof, if you will. Like it's very hard to mess it up. If you're using mm. like a system like Laticrete, which is what I use, they are the foam and they use a sealant system. So basically you put up the foam and what you're putting over your washers and your screws and your seams is you're using a urethane sealant. So and the urethane sealant is water curable. So like you could essentially tile immediately. Whereas nice. like some other systems like the Schluter, you'd use the banding and stuff. And mm -hmm. that, um, I, I'm pretty sure I don't, don't quote me. I'm not yeah. sure, but I think that they say you can tile right away, but I don't know. But the banding for me, I could never tile on the same day that I prep for Schluter because it's takes longer. It's just a more intensive process, you know? So that's not a thing. Foam board, urethane sealant, if you can get that system, amazing. Um, I'm trying to think of any like super key point, but. Uh, Eric, is that the Ardex? Is that what he was talking about? Remember we were talking about when you have these weird Ardex shaped has bathrooms? One, yeah, there's, yep. the good news is right now there's probably a, you know, a half dozen name brand systems and another dozen off brand systems out yeah. there. And I say the good thing is, is right now, because trying to come up with materials for a job sometimes where you're like, hey, they got all the sealant, but they don't have any board or they have tape, but they don't have any sealant. And there's still been some serious supply chain issues out there. Yeah. So that's why, like, they all have positives and negatives. You know, I think that some boards uh, like Laddercrete and Schluter, they don't have any um, fiberglass in them. But like some of the other boards, you touch them and there's fiberglass and like you'll get the little like itchies. I mean, I've used the new Ardex board and I'm pretty sure that they do a fiberglass, but it's like very, I didn't notice a significant downside there, but um, it just all depends. And their board is much more rigid. It's still super light. It's just mm -hmm. much more rigid, but some people prefer to work with that. And that's just all like a preference. But I think that in, in terms of DIY, it's like whatever you can get your hands on that is 100% waterproof that has like steps and, you know, steps in place to do that, you know, that like you can kind of guard yourself from any issues down the line, especially when it comes to prep is the most important. Those other little things are like kind of there. It's for like the picky contractor who like uses it every day and is like, <laughs> I don't like this board because blah, 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 you know? Yeah. Yeah, and then it's it still blows me away that I still watch TV shows and still watch them hot mopping tar in California. Yeah. Oh, and you know what? I feel like the Cali in California, there's guys that are still hot mopping. They're still doing mud. Um, yep. I, I don't know anybody that does mud out by me. And if I did, you know, if they were still floating walls here, I would try to go out to their site and try to follow along because – it's an awesome process. You can get the walls really nice and flat. And when you're tiling to that, that's the, the most beautiful thing you can ever do. But like, there's nobody that does that here. Not still. 
Not yeah. that I've seen. It's it's very hard to find. I did a mud shower. Um, the last remodel I did in my bathroom because I was I wanted to just go old school. It's very challenging to find. I did find an old tile guy, and when I say old, he was old, and it <laughs> took him a really long time to tile. But he was amazing and he was mixing mortar and he was doing the whole thing and he had the metal, it was the metal screening and then he put, he laid all the mud. It was beautiful though. It was an art Mm -hmm. and I did, I did uh, pay to have him do that. So, and the durability is kind of unbelievable, but you still have the moisture problem. You still have the intrusion that happens and the vapor that goes through. So I'm kind of thinking that these newer systems like Schluter and the Artex are a little better at controlling the moisture than the old mud my personal opinion they're a lot better because when you have those mud set pans and things like that if there's one little tiny error in the process you now have a problem that could happen fairly right away where you know with these if if you it's i think it's much easier to put in any one of the foam systems and visually look at it and go cool okay it's sealed up it's awesome where Maybe, I mean, all it takes is to, to nick, a, nick a liner or something like that, and a year down the road, you got a mess, and you're ripping the whole thing out. Yeah, the, the, and with the, li- the vinyl liners and the, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, so, many, there's so many steps. And what a big thing I see here is that they're not doing pre-slope, so they'll put the vinyl liner down on a flat surface, you know. So then you do your pitch on top, and it's like, okay, well, the water's going to go through because it's, the cement and the dry pack that you did was it's not waterproof. So it just goes right down into the vinyl liner and then it just sits. I see that. I see that all the time. The shower that I just ripped out actually in my house is a seventies build, but they definitely had a lot of, there was water damage like crazy and it was a mud set shower, Mm -hmm. but um, the pan was a, it was a lead pan. Oh wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but they, there was mold everywhere, mold everywhere on the studs, on the pan and the, on the curb, everything was just kind of rotted. And I'm lucky enough that I'm on a slab that this isn't like a second story bathroom or anything, but like, mm. if it was like on a second, second floor, you would have, there would be major issues. Well, yeah. I mean, it was funny. I was just watching this old house recently and they had this big shower they were doing. They were doing it, but they did a copper pan. It was gorgeous. I'm like, why are you even tiling over that? It's pretty, but still, <laughs> you could have done foam for less money. Yeah. Why are you doing copper? I mean, it was just, it was wild. I didn't understand why they were going to that ex- expense on that when they could have gone with a, a newer system that would have been better. That is bizarre. Like, it was, was, bizarre. It a, was it a historic home that they required it to be built? A certain, um, I- they were remodeling a historic home, but inside, I mean... I mean, they were doing heated floors and everything else, so it didn't make any sense to me. I was just scratching yeah, my head going, that is weird. huh, it's not like you you're didn't... trying to put the, and it was a huge shower, so obviously it was not in that house originally. I mean, this was like a, a four-foot by five-foot shower. It was massive, and I'm like, I don't understand what you're doing here. People do weird things, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> I see weird Shannon, things. how did you get into tiling? So <laughs> how did you find this love and... I mean, was this your background or where did you, or what was your education? And then how did you end up in tiling, which is a very cool story, I think. Um, so I actually was an accountant for eight years. <laughs> um, I went to <laughs> college. Like, so my dad, my dad's a Mason and through college and things like that, I would work with him whenever. I've always been like a person that was like, oh, I want to help. I want to do that. Like, you know, my dad's like, you want to 
you want to put stack stone on this house? Like, okay. You know, like he thought I was here, <laughs> but I always, my main thing was I loved working outside and my dad worked outside all the time. And in the summer, I'm like, it's beautiful outside. Like I want to work outside. And then whatever he was doing is always super challenging. So I think the fact that everything was different all the time and it challenged me in every way possible, physically, mentally, everything that I enjoyed that, you know, and um, I, I was in, I went to college and I did that whole thing and it was great. And I got like my dream job, the job I always wanted. I worked for the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey and I was an auditor. So I would get to travel around to all the different locations that they owned, and I would audit actually their construction projects that they had going on. So like they were rewiring the Holland Tunnel and I like I got to go out to site and do and it was so cool, you know, but I was still an accountant. I was in the office looking at like paperwork and like reading files <laughs> and things like that and it um, it wasn't so much that, that kind of stunk. It was really more so the fact that I just got to a place where I was complacent and bored and I felt not happy anymore. Um, but me and my boyfriend had decided before that, that we were going to move down to Houston. And the reason was because one, where we were working, it was like, we were working in the inner city. We were I, I live 30 miles from door to door and it would take me two hours to get to work every day. Uh, and I just kind of uh, took, I took an audit of my entire life and I said, I'm just like not happy. And I don't think I want to do this for the next 40 years. You know, I don't, mm -hmm. I can't see myself, you know, doing this forever. This is just to me, it's you're just brave. Kind of like, yeah. I'm like, well, I especially when you're bored, right? Yeah. Yeah. When you're bored, I mean, and that commute, I did a two hour commute in Seattle when I lived there. It was the same thing. I mean, you go work your eight, nine hour shift, and then you've got another four hours of commute time on it. There's no lifetime. There's no, no time for life. It was just, I'm in New Jersey, Shannon. So I'm in New York and I okay. worked in New York for years. So I get the whole, yeah. it's just this you know waste of time. It, but it I'm was... so proud of you. Cause I want to move and get out. <laughs> Between that and then like the weather and then we were looking at, you know, houses that we can afford and anything that we can afford to buy was kind of like a small house with like, you didn't get any grass, you didn't have a driveway, you know, and I'm like, I don't want to do like, this is just, I don't, I, I don't think that I thought this through fully, you know, and mm -hmm. I grew up by the Jersey Shore. We couldn't afford a house by the Jersey Shore, you know, we were just like getting started and I'm like, the, I'm like, we need to do something because I, I, I don't want to wait 30 years to buy a house that I like. And then like in 30 years, I probably can't afford it because cost of things goes up so much that I'm never going to be able to like kind of be happy with what I have. And I don't, I don't want to live like that. So we kind of like just, we packed up our stuff. We were like, we don't have kids yet. We don't have any of this. Like if we're going to make a change in our life, now's the time. We packed up, we moved down to Houston, Texas, and we That's picked awesome. Houston because of the weather, the real estate, make, the economy here is really good. So that's why we chose that. And we both kind of have a, a background in, he has more of a background in like hands-on construction than me, but you know, I was the accountant. I was kind of like the business side. So we started a, a GC business back in 2017 and for the longest time it was just him and I would just work whenever I could and, you know, kind of here and there a lot of back end stuff. And then um, we ran into a lot of trouble finding installers for tile when it came to building showers. 
<laughs> so that kind of got us like really like t- to take a nosedive into the tile industry itself. And then fast forward to like 2020, you know, we were discussing a, like a lot about kind of just retracting back out of the big picture GC stuff and just going right into just doing tile. And <laughs> in 2020, we decided to do that. And here I am. Nice. <laughs> cool. I made like, my, my Instagram to like just highlight projects I was working on because I started doing it full time. And um, now here I am. Cool. It's such a feel good story. Like anybody can do this. You know what I mean? That's excellent. I think anybody can do it. Yes. And I also think that like the information, all the information and the knowledge is out there. It's super scary at first when you're doing it, because when you tear out a shower, you don't know what you're looking at. You're like, oh my gosh, remodels are so (laughs) difficult. But um, every single one, I always say this, like every single one, I gain new skills. And I know I am because every time I'm less worried about what's going on, I could figure out a pro- like a, a problem and solve it so fast, but it all takes like just doing it. You don't just do it. You can never be prepared. One of the things that I love in the tile industry is over the last probably eight or 10 years, it seemed like technology hadn't moved for like 60. And then all of a sudden there's this new renaissance mm-hmm. of new, you know, new thin set mortars and, and, you know, it's like they did it the same way for 200 years. And all of a sudden, all these companies went, <laughs> so we've got a new, better way of doing it. And now, yeah. I mean, it's like every two weeks, there's a new product coming out that makes yeah. it either more durable, easier to use, you know. And, and again, it's just new product after new product out there. But it's fascinating to watch how fast the industry is changing. And I also think that it's because now we have the ability to get information out faster. Um I'm not sure when Schluter first stepped on the scene, maybe early 60s. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. like, I haven't heard of them. Like, I didn't hear about them until no. like 2018. Yeah. Right. And, and when it comes to information and getting it out, like, you know, with all the technological advances that we have, I still think that the construction industry is way behind because there might be things like solutions out there that exist for certain things, but we don't know it yet because that company is still operating back how they did in the nineties, you know, and they are like refusing to change when it comes to the digital side of things and how to get the information to the people who need it. And so like Schluter came out how many years ago and I only found out about it back in 2019, you know? Yeah. It was funny. I saw a Schluter seminar in the 2000s. Might have been even 2010s in there. I can't remember when it was. Might have been 2010s in that area. And I was there with a bunch of tile people, and I was shocked at how many people were like, I'll never work. I'm never going to do that. You know, even though they were out there at this tile store doing this presentation in an evening, they were showing how cool it was, how easy it was to make benches and all these different things. Mm. 80% 80% of those tile contractors at the time were like, that'll never work. That's just foam board. And I started hearing about Schluter um, when my clients had allergies and chemical sensitivities. So it was a lot of the people who couldn't 
tolerate the products. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of toxicity and, you know, lead and obviously things that a lot of the backer boards had problems. So they started introducing me. They'd be like, oh, there's this great system they're using in Germany. It's Schluter. You know, you should get involved with it. And I, and it had to be about 10 years ago, I'd say that that's, that I remember it starting, but it was that grassroots movement that sort of propelled it. Like you said, it wasn't the manufacturers of Schluter who were out marketing it to contractors. It was all these grassroots people who were looking for alternatives. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, and that it's, that's a very good benefit of home board. No question. So, no question. It's so my favorite if, part about it. If, if a homeowner was going to try tackling their own DIY project, what would be a project that you would recommend? Maybe they do their first shot at. I mean, I wouldn't recommend of course doing the master shower on your first tile project because that's, there's a lot of detail in there and you're probably going to mess that up the first time. Are you thinking like backsplash or something like that? Or what's your kind of go-to if somebody said, I want to tile, start my first tile project and learn from it? Where, what would you recommend? I would recommend um, tiling. Yes, a backsplash is great. A backsplash is great because there's a lot of things in the way. Like my backsplash, there's a window, then there's the cabinets, and you have to figure out kind of how to trim it out, et cetera, et cetera. Lots of like cuts and you can get some intricate cuts, but not too crazy. Um, if you've never tiled before, honestly, super DIY, never tiled at all. They literally make stick on tiles. They're actual tiles, but you could stick them on. Um, well, the tiles themselves aren't stick on. There's like a stick on mat. And this is what I would suggest to somebody who's never done it before. Maybe like do a feature wall or something very, you know, you don't have yep. to do any prep. You're just putting this mat on the wall and then you're going to learn how to work with the material and make the cuts because um, ultimately when you're setting tile, what you'd be most upset about is the fact that if like you messed up the way it looks or it's uneven, it's not straight because just figuring out how to get it to lay straight or where your level line is and follow a line, that's a big undertaking in itself. Then like once you get that down and you're like, okay, cool. And you know, it's not permanent, it can come off. so. You know, if you mess something up, it's not the end of the world. Whereas like if you're putting thin set on the wall to take that down, you're going to have to like remove yeah. the drywall, you know? So I would start with something very simple and basic that doesn't have a lot of intrusions. You know, maybe you're cutting around, you know, trim or whatever, but that's it. And learn how to use the tools, the, um, learn how to use a wet saw, learn how to use that stuff. And then you can move on to other things like, they make uh, mastic uh, glue. I don't know. I don't even want yeah. to call it thinset, but it's glue basically. And it's not meant for any wet areas. But if you were, if you wanted to use something that was more kind of like tiling, not in a wet area, in a very like a feature wall type deal, you can maybe use this stuff. And it's, it's kind of mimics thinset. It's a lot more sticky. It never goes bad. You open the bucket, you use it. That's okay. another, you know, you can use that. Mixing thin set is just, to me, that's not even a big deal. You just follow the instructions and you make sure that you're, you follow the instructions. Some thin sets require you to mix it for a certain amount of time. Some of it wants, some thin sets require you to let it um, slake, they call it. So you got to let it sit, then mix it again. So make sure you read instructions on anything that you're using, because <laughs> there's some very important things on there that if you just miss one little thing, you're like, man, why did this go horrifically wrong? It's just because you didn't read the instructions, you know, on the bag. And everything set has their own, you know, 
every yeah, single one. So just because you used product A, and it could be the same manufacturer, yeah. you change to this different product in the same manufacturer, and I almost guarantee you the instructions will tell you to do it differently. Yes. Yeah. So if you're just starting out, feature wall. If you're really, really like I've done a lot of hands-on projects and I I'm really good with tools and I can figure this out and I know what I'm doing, but I want to like upgrade a little bit. I would do a tub surround. So you don't have to mess with the shower pan. You're just like removing the tile around the tub and then replacing it. You still have to do the waterproofing and all that other stuff, but it's like, you know, the next step, because when you do a walk-in shower, the shower pan, that's a little bit more to me, that's advanced. And, you know, if you're moving the drain and you're like installing a pan, et cetera, et cetera, waterproofing it, doing a, a flood test, that's advanced. But you want to get yeah. into like a little bit more middle of the road, do your like do a secondary bath with a tub in it. There you go. Hey, let's talk about for a second. One of the things that I see probably on social media by homeowners, tile contractors, they make this mistake so much. I think so many people don't understand or don't know what directional troweling is. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, so, it's always messed up. And I watch videos and I'm like, well, that's not right. That's yeah. not right. That's not right. Um, so I'll tell you why it's important. Directional troweling is super important because if you have like, um, if you have, I'm showing you guys, but this isn't going to be. Show okay. us. It's good. I want to see. So, okay. So <laughs> if you, have, you have your tile and then you have the tile, the surface you're putting it on, right? Mm-hmm. What you want to make sure is that your ridges that you put on are going in all of the same direction. Because when your tile, like the inset is made to like, it like sucks the tile in, right? Like you, mm-hmm. once you put the tile there, it's not like fl- flopping all over because it, there's like a suction created. And then when you're, if you create that suction and the lines are going all mismatch, you're never going to collapse those ridges because the air can't escape. So like if you have ridges making an X or making a wave or doing some crazy thing, the air can't escape because that thin set, it it sucks onto each other and then that's it, you know? It's like a bubble in the middle. Correct. So Mm. you're leaving like an open cavity behind your tile essentially. So that's why you want to do directional troweling. But additionally, because if it's in a wet area, it's required 95% coverage on the back of the tile. And that's because water will travel back there. And if it finds an open cavity, it's going to hang out there. And then what happens with water sitting it's going to create mold, bacteria, et cetera, and all those things that you just don't want associated with your shower. So, and then you, no matter what, it's going to find its way to escape and there's going to be mold in your grout joints and you can clean it. You could yell at your cleaning lady, fire them. <laughs> doesn't matter because yeah. the mold's coming from the back. It's not coming from your cleaning lady, not cleaning the grout good enough. So that's um, hilarious. I heard all of these stories. So that's why <laughs> I say this and it's, the, the best way, to, how do you do it is you want to burn in the thin set on your substrate. So you want to use the flat side of the trowel. You throw some, some thin set up on the wall and you, you like, it's kind of like what you see people doing with drywall. They like spread it out. It's flat. So you want to like flatten it out and you want to burn it in. You want to scrape. You're going to hear that. That's yep. great. Then you want to do the same thing with your tile. Same exact thing. You want to burn it in. Then you can go 
And it is only required, it's a standard um, to add notches to one spot. It's either you're going to add your ridges to your substrate or you're gonna add your ridges to your tile. Sometimes, like if I'm tiling a wall, a feature wall or backsplash that I know has like maybe some dips and waves and differences in it, I will do both. I'll do the tile and the wall just because that gives me a little bit more room to yep. play if like I, ha I don't want, I if I want to adjust for lippage and stuff like that. Um, but you're only required to do one. If your prep is on point and your substrate is flat, it's best to just do the wall. You want to burn in your tile, burn in the wall, burn in the tile, add your notches to the wall, then you're ready to go. Um, and then directional troweling also comes in play with the size of your tile. You want the bridges to be running the shortest distance. This is just a technique to say, okay, well, I know that because of that suction that happens. So say, for example, you put more pressure on like the right side of the tile versus the left, right? Mm -hmm. So like you put the, you put you put more pressure on one side and you collapse all the ridges on one side of the tile, but now you're trying to push down the rest of the tile and the air can't escape because you have it running the long side of the tile. Yep. Essentially you want, you want the ridges to be running the shorter side so that the air can escape as fast as possible so that you don't accidentally make any like voids in the back of the tile, you know, exactly. press it down, hmm. do up and down on the, so if the ridges are running left to right, put the tile on and then you wiggle it up and down. So you wiggle it hmm. the opposite direction so that you're the like, opposite okay, way of flattening the ridge. ridges mm -hmm. back yep. there. Um, and then, you know, if it's a large format, you use the vibrator, the hammer, whatever it is. But um, yeah, that is like the whole hmm. science behind the directional troweling. And it makes sense when you break it down, yeah. but it completely works because if you try to lift up a tile that you've used this method on, it's extremely and it's not coming up easy. Yeah. You're now yeah. using your, and even the trowel's hard these, to get it underneath there. Mm -hmm. These homeowners often, I mean, this is the major complaint that we get, that there's so much mold outside the shower. And I've always tell them for years, it's because it's behind. Like it has nothing to do with the fact that you keep Cloroxing your shower and then it keeps coming back. They think it's yeah. external. And so now you're giving the reason why it's because there's these voids that can happen back there where it gets all trapped and funky and nasty and it just starts growing and then it, you know, finds its way out. Yes. It's, it, and, and especially um, like with shower glass doors, I know like a lot of builder grade homes nowadays, I'll see they have a, like a, a acrylic pan or something on mm -hmm. the bottom and then like they'll have the shower glass doors drilled into that and under there is obviously I know a wooden curb that they have and they're drilling the, the doors into it. And then, you know, right outside the shower, there's like a little fester of mold in the corner. And you know it's what's like, happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just coming down through the little screw going down behind. It's all in your, the wood underneath. And, and that's another benefit to foam is that it's not a natural material mold won't mm -hmm. mold doesn't it can't adhere to it you know whereas wood mm. it's it's a great place it's for food yeah. yes yeah it's it's food for it yeah. like chocolate I, I got crazy on mine when i put my own shower door in which is to be honest the last time i'll ever put my own steam shower door in <laughs> next time the professionals are doing it i'm like oh I'll do this is a video and i'm like never again am i doing this because i hate glass but 
I was sitting there. I was using. I did the because I did a steam shower, so I did the uh, weedy uh, system on that because I wanted the vapor. You know, because mm-hmm. not only water, I was doing the vapor, and even and I had slab porcelain walls, and so um, I ended up pumping in in the holes. I I drilled for the for the shower door and the panels, and then I injected in the uh, weedy sealant into that, and then put the screw in just because I knew I was penetrating all yeah. the way through. And I'm like, I- I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. It was messy, but I got it done, you know, because <laughs> it's, that is the place every time you do it. It's just anytime you penetrate that. Yeah. That's a potential leak site. Um, but I know that I'm pretty sure the weedy curb though, they have something where like you can penetrate the curb. Yes. I wouldn't recommend penetrating curbs, but like I know weedy <laughs> and there's another one on the market KBRS that they have like this PVC. It's like thick. And that they made it like that so that it can seal when you penetrate the curb. Yeah. Um, Schluter doesn't have that. If you're penetrating the curb, you're penetrating into like loose foam and essentially your screws going nowhere. Um, I use other things as opposed yeah. to penetrating the curb. But like, yeah, if you're penetrating the curb, you need sealant, you need silicone, you need something in there other than just putting the screw because it's like literally an IV drip to whatever is under there <laughs> for the water to come down. Nice, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm enjoying, so we had uh, Sashko on a few weeks ago, and I'm really enjoying some of these new sealants that are coming out. Like, they've got a new bathroom. It's not silicone. It's kind of like a, a rubber product, but it actually has an enzyme in it that eats mold. So it's a clear or white or whatever color you get. But you're starting to see some of these new adhes- uh, new, new sealants that, are, that have enzymes built into them. So it makes it easier to clean in the shower and stuff. So it's fun seeing what some of these new companies, in many cases, you're going to be using that color matched to whatever your grout is in a shower anyway, but I'm liking to see what some of these new things are. Yeah. Um, What is that one called? I've never heard of that. Uh, That's Sashco. Uh, We had them on uh, a couple weeks ago, but it's, uh, they've got a bunch of new sealants out there. They're not silicone, they're water cleanup, which is cool. But, um, Anyway, it's got an enzyme in it, so it'll never grow mold on it because it uh, it eats the food that the mold has. So it just eats up the food all the time. So any of the stuff like, uh, you know, if you had soaps and all that scum that comes off in a shower in a bathroom, it literally just eats it. So I love the new de- technology that keeps coming out. And every single tile manufacturer of, of products seems to be coming out with a new product all the time with new and improved, new and improved, new and improved about every year, it seems. Mm-hmm. And that's great because it makes our life better. It just improves things, you know. So what are you seeing on tile trends now? I mean, you are, you're seeing, you know, in your Houston area, a mm-hmm. lot of stuff, but you're also traveling around, you know, the country, you know, going to the, to the big shows and stuff. What are you seeing on trends with tile? Cause tiles as big as it's ever been. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing a lot of like uh, last. So I coverings is coming up, but last year, There was a lot of like um, these really large porcelain tiles, right? Super thin. And they're now like printing like these beautiful pictures. So it's not just like tile made for purposes like flooring and showers and things like that. They're using it for like artwork you know you put up a a feature wall in your living room you know of just tile floor to ceiling and like you can print these beautiful elaborate pictures on it you know and it fits together like a mural but it's like a large format tile 
And I'm like, that is it's crazy. Genius. Yeah. <laughs> it's genius. Well, but like, you know, that's to me, that's that's wild, you know, because to me, pile is like it's it's a luxury item for function, you know, and that's just for just to look at. You know, things I'll like tell you that. What, some of those large format pieces are not easy to install. No, no. Especially if the substrate is like not flat or, you know, the problem that's, that's where I feel like the larger the tile, you have to be really good at the prep. Like you really have to know how to plan because, you know, if you have one little like dip in the floor or like, you know, a high spot in the middle and you're trying to lay a large format there, it's just going to like teeter totter. And no matter what you do, you know, the tile isn't going to bend and form to the floor. So you're going to have lippage if you don't flatten that out. So hmm. it's, it's a it's a whole uh, skill in itself. It was funny. I was on a commercial job site, which happened to be the radio station we were on here in Portland, Oregon, probably four years ago. And they were doing the remodel of the two story kind of open entry level into the high rise. And they were doing that whole main floor thing. And they were putting in four by eight slabs of one CM on the floor, large format as tiles. But this was poured concrete, commercial building. They didn't pre-float it right. And I'm watching this going, I'm not a tile expert, but this is going to go badly. And it did. <laughs> I mean, they had to order. I, they probably, after the first install on the floor in there, I bet you they had to replace 12 to 16 panels wow. because – lippage on it i mean i would i was walking the first time i noticed it, they had just got it in and i was tripping catching the edge of my boot on the on the floor when i was walking i was like whoa yeah and it was way off and they didn't plan for that they just you know that was the architectural plans and obviously they didn't float the floor out first no they just were like oh let's <laughs> just throw this down no big deal yeah and it was it's, a hot just, mess. it's just unfortunate because I see that a lot in commercial spaces. And I think that a lot of the problem is like people will associate tile with that because think about it. Like you go to the mall, for example, and you're like, wow, look, I know I'll go to the mall and Forever 21 is my favorite store for this. You can go in Forever 21 and they have this really cool sparkly white tile and I love the tile, but it is always popping up it's never attached to the substrate. It's just barely grouted in and it's so hollow. I'm like, I could just pick this tile up right now and bring it home. You know, yeah. I kind of want to do that. And, you know, like it, it's just like, and to me, I feel like as a consumer, you walk around and you hear that, you know, and it forces you to look down because it makes this weird sound. And you're like, yeah. Oh wow. This tile looks like crap. I wouldn't want this in my house. I don't want to pay somebody. So then you have a tile contractor coming in saying, Oh, well, you know, this is my price for this job. And they just think back to that time they were at the mall and the tile is like not even attached to the floor. And that's what they associate tile with, you know, and it's yeah. kind of, it's kind of crappy. Yeah, it's 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 like walking into a tile bathroom in, in in a in in a restaurant or something like that, and it looks like blind eight year olds did the job and it was their first tile job because the four by four or six by six tiles, you're like, who did this? Yeah. Yep. There's um an interesting story. So I had a, a really bad tile job that happened in my house and I had to get the tile guys to leave, which is never a pleasant situation when you have to ask a contractor to get off the premise, right? Mm -hmm. So and 
I know now that there were some things I should have asked, but for, as a professional, if you're hiring a tile, a, a tile expert to come into your home, what are some of the things you look for or ask them that you would ask or Eric would ask that would help you to make a good decision? So always if like, if the tile contractor can explain to you, I think that they should be able to educate you a little bit. If they're able to educate you in a way where you're like, okay, I can take this and I can research it for myself and your research leads to the same thing that they said, then in my opinion, they are being transparent with you. And to me, transparency is everything. If they can literally walk you through, this is what we're going to need to do. We're probably going to need the, to prep this floor for X, Y, Z. Um, I can give you a quote on this, but you know, until we rip it out, but these are the problems that we might encounter when we pull it out. And we can, you know, if there is a major problem that we didn't account for, then, you know, we will stop and we'll have that discussion. Um, just simple things that help you understand as the consumer, what you're getting, like, we need to waterproof these walls. These are the steps. This is how long it's probably going to take because I know 90% of the time, if you're getting a bid for a job, people are coming in, they're grabbing measurements. All right. Either they're yelling out the price to you right there mm -hmm. or they're going home and they'll send you like a quick email. Maybe you'll get like a legit estimate, but they're not educating you. They're not spending more than what time they need to take out of their day to give you the, to just to pull the measurements and maybe take a picture or two. Um, and to me, I think that that right there tells you, you can tell when somebody comes in your home and they truly know what they're talking about and they can educate you at least just a little bit, even if it's surface level on what it is that they need to do to complete the job, walk you through the steps, tell you how they're going to do it. Um, I always spend probably minimum an hour in a client's home, if not more, depending on what it is that they need. If it's like a big project, I'm spending a lot of time there. Um, and then when I send them an email, I, I put in my email information that they can go do research for themselves so that they have a better informed decision-making process than just me giving them the measurements and telling them the price. Um, you know, ultimately it's always up to them. They can still choose anybody they want, but I think that by doing that, you're leaving the door open and saying like, you know, I'm giving you the best possible advice that I can give you. And I'm showing you that I'm educated in this topic. And I think that that sets you apart from just a regular guy with a truck and a bucket. So, yeah. Good point. Yeah. I want to see on that estimate, I want to see kind of what's what, what's going on in the prep, even if it's just mm -hmm. a little bit on there. But I yeah. like to see that documented of, okay, what, what what are you going to be doing? Not just install tile shower, $9,000. We send an, so I send an, an estimate, but I also send an email like describing the phases. So like, you know, we're going to demo first, we're going to, um, we're going to prepare all the areas around the home that we will be walking through, et cetera, et cetera. So like you could read it kind of like a story. And um, sometimes I'll even like break out the price for each thing by whatever, but it just all depends on our conversation with the client and how they want to see things. But that's typically what I do. The email is very long that I send back. It's not like two lines and very vague. Uh, I just think that I want because it's an experience, you know, your people are allowing you into their home, you're providing them with a service. It's not just put their tile up on the wall and leave because to me, it's like, it's a whole 
experience that they have. And then th that experience lasts on after you're gone when they're continuing to use the shower and it's functioning the way that you promise. It's an experience that they will continue to have and it leaves you in their mind forever. So that's, yeah. that's how and, I picture my work. And like we were talking about the expense of kitchen and bathrooms now. And Eric had all this great information about how you're not getting as much return on a kitchen or bathroom anymore, but how expensive it is. So it, these are big ticket items that people yes. are investing, you know, in giving you a lot of money. So, mm -hmm. and they're important that they don't leak and cause other structural damage in the, in the residence. So it's a serious thing. Yeah. It used to be, it used to be that, that, you know, maybe the cabinetry in the bathroom or the, the countertop or something was the highest ticket item in that bathroom. And now it's the, the surround or the shower, what's going on in there. And it wasn't always that case, but to do it right, you have to go through those steps. And that is one of the things that I see out there where I look at estimates from people and they're like, Hey, you want to look through this real quick on my remodel? And I'm like, wow, that shower seems very underpriced. You need to ask some questions on what's going on here and see, see what's going on. I wanted to ask you about grout because okay. this is one of those things that I think yes, there seems to be every contractor has their, their theory, every, <laughs> you know, most homeowners that have done a couple of tile jobs, their experience with grout is what's sitting on the home center shelf. There's so much more to grout than what people understand many times. Yeah. I think that there's a different grout for each project, right? And, and the only way you know that is if you read about it. And okay, so this brings me back to what I was going to say. I had this really in-depth conversation the other day on my page, and I'll tie this into the grout, but I had this really in-depth question, conversation on my page about pricing, etc. And somebody brought up this really awesome point that showers and things, these remodels are costing as much as vehicles. And my thing is, is that in the contractor space, everybody wants to blame the homeowner to why like they don't want to pay and that why they're getting cheap work. And to me, I don't believe that at all. Um, it is not the homeowner's job to know your expertise and your skill. This is your job. And so like, for example, these car manufacturers that build these beautiful vehicles, like let's use Elon Musk because everybody knows who he is. He created this vehicle as one of a kind, right? It is an experience. People buy it because it is what it is. There's a special mm -hmm. market for it. And people like people will literally like try to, I don't know, like increase their lifestyle, I guess, if you can say, like mm -hmm. get a better job, do better in life. So that just so that they can own this Tesla because it's an experience. <laughs> it's a whole thing. And that's how I feel like contractors should start viewing and branding their services is that it's an experience because people live inside mm. the things that they create. You're li they're they're living in it. It's not just let me just do this kitchen and like get the check and leave. And that's how a lot of contractors are. It's like you mm -hmm. really need to start understanding that the client is re receiving a service, but it's an experience and they live inside the thing that you literally installed in their home from everything from, the, that. from the kitchen to the bathroom to the tile that they look at every day, the faucet that you installed, everything, the mirror, the lighting, blah, 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 everything. They're experiencing it. You know, they live inside of that. And I think that in order for you to get that price point that you want or to set yourself apart in a market where there's everybody just getting a check, you need to provide that. 
And I think people are missing that marketing point, right? And same thing with the grout thing is that I think that the manufacturers, they market to the installers, which the installers don't truly know how to market themselves or set themselves apart. So they can't educate their client. And so if you have the manufacturers not educating the client on what the right grout is to use for a backsplash versus a shower, what's sanded, unsanded, um, pre-mixed, epoxy, acrylic, they yep. don't, who's teaching them that, you know? So of course they're not going to know. Why would they know? It's not common knowledge. Um, most installers don't even know. They're still using cement-based grout yeah, right. on a high traffic area floor, and then it's changing <laughs> color and it looks like crap in a month, you know? And they're not mixing the water right every time. They're just like, correct. they're, they're not when, doing anything right on the, on the mixture either. So if you're a DIY and you buy a bad grout from Home Depot, for example, and it's Mapei, you want to mix the entire thing. Do not try to say, oh, I'm going to save this grout. Why? Because the water mixture that they give you on the bag is meant to mix the entire bag. It's extremely hard mm. to like start breaking that down. You're going to be like, now you have to break out the chemistry set. Just mix the whole bag. Like it is what it is. If you want to get the color right and the, the consistency and the grout joints, you have to mix the whole bag. If not, that's so profound. Oh my <laughs> God. Cause how many times have I wanted to like do grout and I have like maybe, you know, two feet of grout I have to do. It stinks. I yeah. don't mix the bag. It really mix the whole stinks bag. because you're wasting so much product, but that's where if, if you're not a contractor, you're more than likely, if you just get it right the first time, you're not going to have to use grout, that grout color again, but mm -hmm. If you want to spend a little bit more money, you can get the pre-mixed stuff. I know that they sell it at um, Lowe's, the Mapei stuff, Mapei Flex Color CQ, which is it's not epoxy, so it's not super crazy, but it's like an acrylic based and it's it's my favorite. It's like one of my favorite grouts um, and the color is amazing. It's sanded. So like I wouldn't use it on like uh natural stone you could probably mm -hmm. scratch natural stone with that but um anything porcelain ceramic wet area not wet area it does a wonderful job the color is what the color is it's actually mixed with like the colors in it it's not added later so you never have to worry about the color variation um, that's awesome and, and it just takes a little bit of a you can't grout like you would with a, a bad grout though with the premixed grout, 90% of the time they're like acrylic or epoxy and you have to do small areas at a time. And you will see it start it starts to harden up very quickly. So you wanna do a small section, I would say, you know, maybe like five square foot or so, depending on how fast you work. And if it's large format, obviously more, but um, the, the more grout joints you have, the smaller area you can work in. So now, let it set up a little bit so that it's a little tacky because what you don't want to do is start pulling out the grout out of the joints. Then you use Mapei comes with this beautiful sponge. I used to hate it, but it's super flat. You just go in like <laughs> nice little circles and um, you just start lifting it up and it's like very sandy, you know, and you just go over it a little bit at a time and um, don't freak out because like I said, it does dry super fast, but the smaller sections you work in, the better. And you just have to, you know, read the directions. <laughs> yep. I'll tell you what, too. One other trick that I learned, because I saw this go sideways on a contractor about six or seven years ago. Mm -hmm. They had a major manufacturer of white grout. And if I remember oh. right, I think it was one of the 
one of the new urethane grouts. And the problem was, is when they made this grout, the sand, it was sanded. The sand that was in it was more pink than white. Okay. And so when they, when the job was done, cured, they had this white marble floor mm-hmm. and pink grout. Yeah. Nice. And it got so sideways, the lawyers got involved. And the grout manufacturer went, well, did you try that on an inconspicuous area, like we say in the can? And a contractor went, nope. And they said, well, you probably should have, because you would have seen that those bags were pink grout. Because the sand that was in there leaned pink. And it it looked very light pink. And it was a white grout, but how they get around with it. So when in doubt with these white colors, it's not a bad idea to check it and see how it's going to look. Yeah. And play around mm-hmm. with it because they ended up, that was a $20,000 fix to fix that. Ouch. They had to start and it was on over. the contractor. It was on the con- that was on the contractor's insurance by the time it got done. But yes, it still ended up on the contractor. But that was a tile professional that does great work, a good contractor, and it just went sideways. So when in doubt with white grouts, I'm always now nervous with some of the white grouts out there to make sure it's the right white for you. Yeah, that, I've heard that a lot about white, too. I've had some issues, too, where, like, the white wasn't – it's hard to find a true white, like a mm-hmm. very super, super white. It's hard. I always, like, end up using it, and then it kind of looks off-white, and I don't like it, especially next to a white tile because they're able to get it super true white. And if yeah. the grout is just slightly darker, it almost looks dirty. Yeah. It looks like you, it's, you have to make it look like you, you, you meant to do it because mm-hmm. if you get it too close, it looks like you missed. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. So Shannon, we are running out of time. What did we not talk about today that I think is a good tip out there for people? Well, yeah. what's the best way to uh, catch you on social media? Cause you're out there just about everywhere. It seems. Yeah. So, um, I am on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. You can find me at that tile chick and on YouTube where I post a lot more long format videos, more informative, detailed step-by-step at that tile chick as well. And if you have any like precise questions, you can send me an email, that tile chick at gmail.com because my DMs are just Blowing I don't up. have enough time to get to everybody, unfortunately. I love her. That child chick. It's yeah. just awesome. And she <laughs> it, she really does some amazing things. And she caught my eye. And I was just like, I'm sucked in now. So you can tile. <laughs> Anyone you. can tile. Well, I appreciate that. Shannon, thanks for coming on today. We really appreciate it. And we'll have you on again here at some point. Uh, and we'll uh, dive in even deeper. Thank you both for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm Eric G. And I'm Caroline B. And you've been listening to Around, Around the, the House. House.
Hey, it's Eric G from around the house. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.